0: darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And though you fight to stay alive, your body succumbs to wickedness. For no mere mortal can resist the evil of THE Nemo PRINCE! <laughs> Salutations and welcome to a very special edition of the native immigrants podcast i'm your host swami Barakis, and as always i'm joined by my co-host jojo underscore b what's going on jojo b hello you know why it's so special today jojo b
1: why is it so special
0: because today is halloween (laughs) oh
1: no see now i love halloween but at the same time i hate halloween petrified of halloween because horror films come on and horror films give me nightmares
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. And I've not been able to watch any horror films pretty much since we got married, which is a good four years of no horror for me.
1: I mean, you don't have to watch them with me. Yeah, but you don't let
0: me watch anything else on TV. And we spend a whole life just watching TV. Pretty much. Every evening since we've been married, you monopolise the remote control.
1: No, I don't. Yes. such a lie. Yeah,
0: you know why? Because I'm just like, why don't we watch this? And you're like... (sighs) Well, what about this then? <sighs> you know what, what about um, MasterChef?
1: Oh, yeah. Let's watch the MasterChef. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I have this habit of like scrolling through like constantly like, on Netflix. Let's like, so find something to watch. And I just lose the will to live.
0: No, because cause I go through Netflix and I go through every single category and every single show and every single film. Yeah. And be like, what do you think of this? You are like, I just want something Nice. I just want something Sometimes
1: you do just want something nice because the world... You only want
0: something nice and pleasant.
1: The world is a fucking mess and sometimes I just want to escape from that fucking mess by just being in a fantasy world of lovely.
0: Because of this, I've not been able to watch any horror films. Let's just switch it back a bit. This is the Halloween special of the Native Immigrants podcast and only one of us is actually keen on Halloween.
1: Like I said, I love Halloween. I love the um, pumpkin carving and the the very cute little children dressed up. The
0: bobbing for apples.
1: I used to do that as a kid.
0: You grimy northerner.
1: I tell you what, it's a funny story.
0: Oh, God. It's not, it's not going to be funny, but let's just go for it.
1: So I said this at work and everybody was like, what the hell? Mm. But in my day, there was no pumpkins. <laughs> in the days of yore. Yeah, there wasn't pumpkins up north. We used to carve turnips (laughs) and the smell there's a particular smell of halloween for me is a little a little tea light candle in a carved out pumpkin has a particular smell and that's the smell of halloween for me
0: did it cost a threepence for every turnip no. <laughs> did you grow them at the back of your allotments with the flumps?
1: But do you know how hard it is to carve a fucking turnip? <laughs> I kind ca- of. Envis- it's really hard.
0: I can have, that, Yeah, because that's a solid vegetable. Yeah. There's not even a hollow bit in the middle. Yeah. Fucking hell. You manso- Did you it's if, dedication. If, if, so, if it wasn't turnips, did you guys try to carve some coal? For, Shut up! For, for added horrific. Get for ad, lost! For added but we horrific. did
1: also have a coal fire in my first like house in Newcastle. We used to have a a, a coal fire.
0: Nice. Did you burn anyone in it for Halloween? No. no. Okay.
1: But also, people used to do for bonfire night. People used to do penny for the guy. And they used to make a guy and then they'd bring it round and they'd be like penny for the guy.
0: Penny for the guy.
1: Penny for the guy, which is like so you know, guy Fawkes. They I've used to make many, yep. their own Guy forks, like stuffed one. Right. And then that's something that you would then throw on the bonfire on bonfire night and let it burn. Fucking hell. But so like people used to, the kids used to go around and go, a penny for the guy. So you used to like collect money. Right. For that. But these are things that just don't happen anymore.
0: Yeah, because by that time we were, you know, on Super Nintendos by that point.
1: I miss the late 80s, early 90s.
0: It feels like a bygone era. For you did, Yeah, it was. Um, it
1: was a good time.
0: Well, you know what? It's Halloween, which is also a really, really good time. And obviously, for our Halloween special in the second half of this show, we, you, and I, are going to be joined by a special guest. Ooh. Yeah. So we've had a few people in the show before that thrown a couple of words here and there. Yeah. But now we've got a fully fledged guest for the entirety of the second half of the show who
1: is this celebrity star
0: well i had to pull a few strings on this one Uh i had to twist a few arms i had to speak to a few publicists Uh a few pr and agents and managers but i somehow miraculously managed to get filmmaker ashish gadvi for this show oh my word fuck me who's he the ashish gadvi you haven't heard of ashish gadvi no you may have seen him working on such productions as Star Wars, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast.
1: What? Who is this star that I've missed?
0: Well, he's in fact a member of your family. Yes, he is. Yes, he's your brother-in-law. Yes, he is. And he's my brother. And so we <laughs> we pulled out all the stops to get the top A-list talent in for this show. Uh, but the reason I got him was because he's a massive horror film buff. He's as much into horror as I am into porn. So he's literally watching it all day, every day, and any minute that he can spare is spent watching horror. He's someone that I think can talk at length about this uh, amazing subject that is very apt for Halloween.
1: Yes, and if you know him, it explains a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he's a very disturbing guy. (laughs) Yes, he is. But we've also been talking about how some horror films, some of your favourite horror films, are actually quite Asian
1: my favorite horror films
0: not you you dickhead
1: <laughs> i was really confused there for a second i'm talking
0: I? to the audience oh uh, okay
1: fine. Uh, but don't look at me then when you say that
0: all right so, so am i looking away okay so i'm this conversation i'm going to be looking at our sofa and <laughs> and, look, the world. and then somehow talking to you yeah. on the other sofa so you're going to be looking at my face and i'm going to be looking at the sofa yeah this is the dumbest <laughs> fucking thing
1: ever I was going to say, what Asian horror, f- the only Asian horror films that I've ever seen is the Z Horror Show. Oh my God. Have you, have you not seen Papi Guria? No. You've
0: not seen Papi Guria?
1: Is that Child's Play?
0: It is indeed the Indian oh my version God. of Child's Play. Yeah, <laughs> Karishma Kapoor was in that all the way back in like the early 90s. What? Yes, Papi Guria. There's also like Mana Hai, if you remember that one. Uh, no. Um, Raz. Oh Deepasha yeah. With Yes. You know, I never that one, watched it But I heard of remember it Remember that film We were going to watch Called Hiss And we never went To go watch it in the end
1: <laughs> I had completely Forgotten about yeah, that
0: They were like We should go watch This film called Hiss And I was like What? Hiss I was like What? What the fuck Are you on about? Yeah it was a film About like a, a female That turns into a snake Or some shit And it's imaginatively Titled Hiss I think that's the extent Of Indian horror um, No
1: there was that New Anushka one Yeah
0: buddy. Buddy yeah, came on. But that we did, looked really know, scary. We didn't go to watch that. And why did we not go to watch that, Jojo B? I
1: don't know. Why did we not go to... Oh, because my niece is called Buddy. Yes. <laughs> and you
0: thought this would be a bad omen because a member of our family is also called Buddy. The things... You know what? We have such ridiculous superstitions uh, with, within our community. I just don't
1: want to associate something terrible with such a lovely, cute baby.
0: But all these people that are killers were all cute babies once. You know, they just grow up slightly dysfunctional. <laughs> um, but with it being Halloween, today I actually went out to get some batteries because my car key fob stopped working, so I can't actually get into my own car. And it was like coming close to dark, and I was just walking out towards the shops, a little bit of a walk, and I kind of felt like I was actually being followed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought nothing of it, and I just, I just kept on walking and carrying on about my business. But rustling from the leaves it sounds like there's footsteps coming from behind you. And then I turn around and this person was there, but then he just kind of walked past me, but he looked at me kind of oddly. At that point, I actually realized that I'm the scarier person on the road. (laughs) Because I was wearing a black hoodie with my hood over my head, black jogging bottoms, black trainers, and I had my beard on. So if anything, i think that person was actually scared of me and was trying to get past me as quickly as he possibly could
1: you had your beard on like your fake beard my fake beard yeah because i thought it's halloween that would be my costume the one that you just slap on every now and again yeah it's <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the long ones you can see the string and it's ginger
1: oh god
0: um but i was like yeah fucking you know, up i'm the scariest person on that street right there how did i how did i get to
1: that I not I think you've always been that person, haven't you? Have I?
0: Yeah. Am I quite intimidating? If people see me in a dark alley, hooded up and like you know wearing all black everything,
1: am I that scary? I mean, not to me because yeah, I'm married to you. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. But if okay, imagine we hadn't have met. Uh huh. And I was walking down like that, hands in my pockets and stuff, walking in your direction.
1: You look like one of those hoodies that David Cameron used to go on about.
0: Yes, the ones that are all on stage with Kanye Someone West in the hug, you, though. hug a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Someone might just think you need a hug.
0: Yeah. So what did you do for Halloween, love? Well, actually, I was walking down a really dark alleyway, and I saw a Hoodie. I walked up to him and gave him a massive hug. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> Fucking where are we coming to?
1: Talking of uh, Halloween costumes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you ever used to dress up when you were a kid?
0: Oh, my God. Do you know what? Uh, we probably did, I think, once. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm because we weren't really allowed out of the house many of the times for trick-or-treating. Yeah,
1: standard Asian rules.
0: Yeah. So basically dressing up in a costume to just jam in your house (laughs) is like as fucking sad as sending your mum a Valentine's card. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, so I pretty much had one costume and that was a robot and and, and my dad made it and Aww. he put together a box tin foil uh, tin foil some tin foil on the box and then he got a few cups and used them as like knobs and buttons and stuff on there <laughs> that's really man cute. was barling. i had it was slayage all over the place fam oh and God. now in these times of ai i was already ahead of my time wow yeah what Absolutely. about yourself so, i know you JJB, you get really deep into these these <laughs> festive holidays
1: Aww love this time of year so much so again like you i wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating my mom and dad were like we have a shop full of sweets you're not going to go begging for sweets <laughs> at other people's houses. So I wasn't allowed to go do that. Damn. But I did go to the Halloween parties at school. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. And I did get to go trick-or-treating once though my parents didn't know because I went to a Halloween party at my friend's house.
0: No way. And
1: my costume generally tended to be a black bag, that <laughs> like a black bin liner that had, had uh, holes cut out for my arms and my head. And um, a hat, a witch's hat. We used to sell witch's hats in our shop. Uh, at halloween time with like little kind of attached green hair right so that that was usually my wait wait
0: wait wait all right sorry you can't go that much further without addressing (laughs) the key point here a black bin bag
1: yeah because that's what witches wear isn't it
0: you know what the the witches of the north seriously had some real (laughs) welfare issues (laughs) <laughs> them brooms weren't working for them ladies if they had to
1: one year i went as a indian princess and i just put a suit on <laughs> <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> i, I literally princess. can't
0: i literally can't think of anything sadder <laughs> this, you know like <laughs> how low rent
1: my family
0: were when it came I <laughs> was an indian princess i'm just gonna pull on a punjabi suit <laughs> fuck me yeah I'm going Halloween as a young (laughs) schoolboy, and just (laughs) work in my fucking uniform yeah this is my parents said Um, this would be the best thing happy Halloween everyone so inclusive this is the reason people voted for Brexit (laughs) (laughs) it's because we used to turn up in schools in just our Indian garments and be like yeah I'm from Agrabah
1: It's good times.
0: Yeah, Halloween Halloween is a fun time of the year. It's a cold time of the year. And it's obviously scary <laughs> because of... Not so much scary because of the uh, scary films and stuff. It's just scary because of the times we live in currently. Yeah. With so many issues and atrocities happening every day here in the UK. But we're allowed to indulge in a little bit of fright every now and then. Yeah. Apart from Jojo B.
1: That time that I went trick-or-treating.
0: Mm. Oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> we went... Um, to Keith Gillespie's house. Do you remember Keith Gillespie? Keith Gillespie. Yeah. Do you remember him?
0: Northern Ireland winger Keith <laughs> Gillespie. <laughs> he
1: used to play for Newcastle. Who
0: did play for Newcastle? And he lived
1: around the corner from my friend. No way. So we went and we were like, Keith Gillespie will have loads of really good sweets. <laughs> He didn't answer the bloody door. Oh,
0: for fuck's sake. We
1: rang the doorbell for ages.
0: Wow. And
1: they just refused to answer the door. Keith
0: Gillespie. We were like,
1: Keith, we know you're home. Your car's outside.
0: You (laughs) stingy dude. What car? Do you remember what car he had?
1: I think he had a BMW.
0: No way. I think. I can't remember. You stingy guy. (laughs) Wow. Couldn't even spare like a couple of penny sweets or like, you know, even an animal bar for you guys (laughs) back in the 80s. That's fucked up. But anyway, if you're going to be out and about tonight, please be cautious and don't trick anyone. If you're going to come by our place right now and trick us, man's an armed fam.
1: Yeah, we don't want any eggs thrown out, though, well, thank you very much. No,
0: I've got I've got some um, stale bananas in the fridge <laughs> that could blatantly be chucked. Are you going to do
1: the standard Asian thing to switch all the lights off and pretend you're not home? <laughs>
0: if we hear like a knock on the door, we just have to stop the podcast and just pause it. We just like be quiet. Shh. Some sweets, or is it childhood sweetness?
1: <laughs> we always used to answer the door.
0: Yeah, we, and we never used we, to. And that. We had
1: a shop full of sweets. We were like, we can take some home, but then we'd only get a few kids, and then me and my brother would just eat the rest.
0: You fucking Christ. I've to be honest, I've seen the pictures of you as a child, <laughs> and I can absolutely believe that.
1: <gasps> we'd be like, no, ma'am, ma'am, we have to have loads of sweets at home because the kids, the kids, and then we would just sit there eating them all. <laughs> That's why Asian kids
0: were all so fat when they were kids and stuff because one, we never used to let anyone into the the house during Halloween time. And back then, hardly anyone used to trick or treat because it was such an all Asian area and no kids were allowed out at all.
1: No, we would leave our porch light on so people would know they could come and knock. Okay.
0: We were nice that like that. Did you ever get tricked?
1: No, well, because we gave the sweets. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: Whatever was left. You'd have like a bowl full of empty wrappers <laughs> that you'd indulge, indulged and you'd have a face full of chocolate. And we're like... Yeah, whatever you can find. It'd be left with those those fucking toffee ones that no one likes. blackjacks. that's all. That's all that was left. (laughs) Here you go. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Fucking hell. Okay, well, Halloween aside, because we'll be talking all about horror and Halloween films in the second half of the show. But something horrific that happened this past week, Jojo B. Apu Nahasapina Petalon from The Simpsons. Is that
1: his surname? Yeah, it is indeed. Oh my God. He's yeah, being look, dropped. He's being cast aside.
0: Unbelievable.
1: This is what these, you know, times of outrage will yeah. bring us.
0: Wow, political correctness gone completely crazy. Or has well, it?
1: Well, that's the thing, you see. So there was this, like, article by a man called Harry Kondabulu. Okay. I think I'm saying his name right. And he suggested that, actually, the character of Apu was deeply racist. Okay. And kind of, a really stereotypical view of what Asians are like in, or South Asians are like in America. Mm. And, and this is a little while ago he wrote this, but it's kind of stayed out there in the ether and it kind of gathered pace. Yeah, and, a lot of people
0: jumped on the bandwagon yeah, as well. Exactly. Um, big South Asian names in the States as well.
1: But now... The Simpsons creators have decided to get rid of the character Rappu.
0: Yeah, to avoid the backlash.
1: So now you've got to, like you've got to ask the question Do we put up with a little bit of stereotyping just to see some Asian faces mm. on TV? In the same way that I go on about how I hate how all Asians are seen as being terrorists on the, these BBC dramas that have been coming on recently. Yeah. But We're still seeing Asians on TV and Asian actors are getting some work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, do we want to see Apu still, even though he might be a bit of a stereotype? But the
0: thing is, I've always found in The Simpsons is that is a show that's full of stereotypes. Every character in that show is a stereotype of a certain class and culture of people in the States. this is true. Obviously, you can argue that Simpsons hasn't really evolved with the times because it's a show that's been going on for over 30 years now yeah and the the characters haven't really developed so much i mean maggie's still the same age for fuck's sake (laughs) but you could have had the character evolve over the times to accommodate it but you know it does what it says on the tin it's always had the same level of humor uh and the same kind of storylines the same kind of vibe for for all that time so nothing's really going to change in that instance So, you know, the argument really there is in a show full of stereotypes, it's just showcasing another one. Obviously, from someone that's from the South Asian background, it could potentially be deemed offensive. But Apu is such a staple of one of the biggest shows in the world. Yeah. This show has been shown over countless countries globally. Yeah. You know, the household names, household characters. And so, really, he's one of the longest reigning. Asian characters in any show ever
1: and were you ever offended by him when you were a kid watching The Simpsons no I think remember
0: we got we grew up at a time during the 80s and 90s where a lot of these terminology and terms were always deemed almost normal as well I, we were watching episodes of like some game shows the other day and they were saying to some Asian contestants on there. So where are you really from? No, no, where are you really from? And things like that. And it was like, looked at (laughs) as normal. You're like, what the fuck? You know, and so it's nothing that we're not used to. But we've got to look at Apu. He's a family man. He owns his own business. He's kept really core to his values and and living the American dream. And married to Manjula. He's been really faithful to her the whole time. Beautiful children.
1: Yeah eight of them
0: eight of them even yeah so he's very fertile yes and so what what's not to love about that character if anything I think he represents everyone's cha-cha <laughs> this is very true and, you know, like I said he is such a pivotal character in that show and to take him out because of some outrage and backlash over backwards potential stereotyping yeah I think would be a massive disservice on what that character's done for that show
1: yeah i guess it is slightly offensive that a white man is doing an accent yes they could just get they just they could just get raj from big bang theory to do his accent instead to do his voice um but
0: again it's not that's not apu no that's the thing that's not this is true to uh, completely eliminate a character change his voice change his his viewpoints i know asian uncles that haven't changed since they've set foot in this country, yeah. coming over from India or Africa. Yeah, And so really, Apu is no different to that. My dad is very set in his ways. Yeah. Your dad's very set in his ways. This is true. Are you going to ask those people to change? No. Now? No. They're still the same guys. They still have the same accents as they did back then. The same way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really changed. The only issue is the fact that Hank Azaria, Azaria does his voice, who is a white man. And that's the reason why there's a, there's a massive outrage. If his voice was done by Hassan Minaj, then I don't think it'd be any of these issues.
1: Yeah, this is very true.
0: So I'm not for this. I think Apu needs to stay in the Simpsons, and it'll be a lesser show without him in it.
1: Yes, it will. I agree with you completely there.
0: Right now, I can't contain myself, JoJo jo hmm. About an hour or so ago. Yeah. We timed this show (laughs) so we'd record it after the Great British Bake Off final. Yes, we did. And we've gone on this long. (laughs) Somehow, the patience between us is undeniably awesome right now. Yep. The fact that we haven't addressed it this whole time and when we've been itching to talk about it.
1: We have contained ourselves very, very well.
0: Yeah. But I think we can contain ourselves no more.
1: No, I need to talk about it.
0: Unleash the beast. Before we continue, there will be some extreme spoilers. So if you haven't seen Great British Bake Off, the final, stop the show and forward it to the second half of the show. I don't want to hear any, oh, but I didn't know who won. Why are you going to tell me for blood? I'm telling you now. Stop the show and forward it. Because we're about to tell you what happened. Drum roll, please. Rahul won. Rahul won Great British Bake Off. This
1: is amazing.
0: No way. This is nuts. It's legitimately nuts. We've been talking about Rahul pretty much every week of the show. Uh, I'm not even a massive Great British Bake Off fan.
1: No, you only watch it because I make you.
0: Yeah. And you know, I thought, you know what, I'll give this a go. Because you know what, I want to make our marriage work. And I think that by watching the show together could even have a small step towards happiness for me and get myself out of this dreary hell that I'm living in. Then you know what, I'll give it a go. And I did. And I'm glad I did. Because I've been hoping for Rahul to... Win it is big words, but getting to the final and yeah. at least like showcasing his ability to a massive audience, I think would be an awesome look as an Indian coming to this country and literally knowing fuck all about baking and getting all the way to the final and to win it is a ridiculous achievement, Jojo B.
1: It really, really is. I'm so super happy and so super proud. Yeah. i just like, I love it.
0: Yeah. But a couple of questions. Uh Uh-huh. One, should he even have been in the final?
1: He has had two questionable weeks before I think this that's week. a
0: bit of an understatement. He's had a couple of shockers.
1: Yes, he has. I think the pressure got to him. He's an anxious person, as we all know. Mm. And I think the pressure was getting to him. It was getting to him today. At one point, I actually said to you, I really want him to stop whinging now because it's getting on my nerves yeah it stopped being cute
0: yeah it's been common knowledge that he has annoyed a lot of people the last few weeks yeah the people were on his bandwagon for a long time got slightly tired of his whinging self-pity ways yeah but in this show
1: no he really didn't he didn't i mean the first task was to make donuts and he didn't even know what a donut was
0: that's bullshit I, I, for someone that's been in the country for eight years. To not have had a donut when you're supposed to be a baker, I think is a load of bollocks.
1: He dismissed it as fried bread, and he didn't want to eat that. And I was like, what the hell is a puri?
0: Come on, son.
1: Come on. All Indians love fried bread.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah.
1: And, you know, when it's got jam and sugar all over it, it's even better.
0: Winning. <laughs> but, yeah, so he he didn't do, start off so well making donuts. No. And then he didn't even have that amazing a time in the second task when he was making pitta breads
1: yeah he was like i don't know how fire works how does this fire Rahul,
0: work where the fuck it's like he's been, <laughs> he's been in the country for eight years has he been like stuck in loch ness
1: well again he's indian all indians know what a july is come on bruv everybody knows what fire is yeah,
0: you know at that point i was even like Do you know what i think rahul's done here yeah he is done he's he's shown some amazing feats of awesomeness yes. over the course of the show yep. but the last few weeks he's been left a little bit wanting yep. and he's potentially been found out and and getting to the final was a great achievement well done
1: yeah that's where we were at, at the beginning of the show yep.
0: yeah and and by the second task it was pretty much done because Kim Joy who's another lovely baker
1: yeah she was another one of my favourites
0: yeah had two really good rounds yep uh, and Ruby who was our other favourite. It was a great it was a it was a final of ethnics.
1: A final of ethnics and a final of our favourites.
0: Yeah. All three of the people that we've been championing through the whole series yep. got to the final. So it would have been amazing whoever won it, but it would have been super amazing if Rahul did. And he did pull it off in the final showstopper I know. round.
1: No, Kim Joy let herself down.
0: Yeah. She was in
1: the lead, and as you said to me, it was hers to lose. Yes. And she lost.
0: She did. All she had to do was make a decent final showstopper for them to say, do you know what? This is good. You know, it's really good. Yeah. That's all all she needed. She just didn't manage it. Yeah. I do feel sorry for her because, you know, she's been an inconsistent baker over the course of the series up to the final, but she's managed to pull off the last few weeks some awesome bakes. Yes. And so you thought going into the final, she's a potential dark horse. And she started so well. Really well. But yeah, just let down, let down so, massively.
1: It's unfortunate, mm. but you know what? Being a finalist is pretty damn good. Yeah. Can I also say that Ruby's whole family are amazingly beautiful? Yeah. Her mum, her sister, her cousin.
0: I was like, who? What is this gene pool that she comes from? See, mate. I mean? Her mom, her mum was a bit of a stunner in her day because it's showed yeah. an old photo of her. She just looked like Ruby. Yeah, exactly. Um, but early 90s form
1: yeah and her sister looked like a model
0: (laughs) Ruby go on with the gene pool yeah do you know what I mean so you you know she's going to be guaranteed some TV work in the future
1: oh 100% I just hope
0: it's not like some Indian reality show and she'll be stuck on like
1: nah I think she might do a Liam okay okay because I think she's got the personality for it
0: yeah that's very very true yeah so I think out of the three of them Ruby's probably the most marketable
1: yep she's funny yep And she can bake, yeah. And she looks really good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, yeah, it's a three pronged attack. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, So expect Ruby in the TV screens probably next year.
1: I don't know how Rahul's going to manage this whole being the winner thing though.
0: The problem is he doesn't really have a personality. Hasn't really got a lot of charisma. He's extremely anxious, extremely nervous.
1: That squinter that he does is only going to get him so far. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, he could just be a one-season wonder, but what a season.
1: Most of the finalists have gone on to do good things, though.
0: What did last year's women do?
1: She, I'm not sure.
0: Aha. Uh-huh.
1: Candice, <laughs> wasn't it, who won Yeah, last year. that's
0: right, yeah. She looked, She looked. I thought she was a marketable, she, she had a good brand. She looked
1: good, but again, I just didn't think she was very good. Yeah. I thought that was a fix, to be fair.
0: I have to say that this series has been one of the worst series of Bake Off in a long time.
1: I still think that last year's one was worse.
0: I don't know. Like, for this year, there was so many people that were just average all the way through. They had some pretty good weeks, some pretty terrible weeks. And no one covered themselves in too much glory in this final either. Whereas, if you remember when Nadia won it, she was awesome from day one and she just got better and better and yeah. better with every round
1: and that actually i watched an episode of that series the other day because it yeah. was on and there were some really good bakers in that yeah like the other people she was up against were really good
0: that's the thing so imagine so she had a class of awesome bakers and she maintained herself and exceeded that even more so yeah by the time it got to the final it was just like wow yeah yeah This year?
1: I'm just like... (sighs) I mean, I feel like the standards have fallen slightly since it went to Channel 4. Eh, Possibly. But I do like Sandy and Noel.
0: Yeah, no, they've they've added a different dimension because I thought without Mel and Sue, I don't think the show is going to succeed.
1: But they're trying too hard. This whole having to go outside and cook on a fire pit thing was just ridiculous. Fair enough. They should know what fire is. Yep, But I just thought it was just... I don't know. It was just a gimmick too far for me?
0: Yeah. Danish week didn't really sound too appealing as no, well, to be honest.
1: vegan week was just like a massive fail. Yeah. 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 But anyway.
0: But anyway, Rahul did win it. And it's a win for the immigrants.
1: Yes. Well done, Rahul.
0: Big up, Rahul. The native immigrants salute you. And hopefully we'll be tasting some amazing Rahul delights in a future restaurant, cafe or bistro soon.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Fingers crossed for him.
1: Before we go into the next half...
0: Oh, okay. I was just about to end it, but all right, go for it.
1: I just want to give the Gay Times an honourable mention. Okay. Because this month, for their latest issue, mm. they have a Gaysian special. Big up! On the front cover, they've got a whole host of gay Asians... Yeah! ...who are doing their thing out there.
0: <laughs> Big up!
1: They've got... Doctor Ranch
0: smashing it on Strictly. Yep. Well, smashing it is a bit of a strong word. He's doing well. He's doing okay, but yeah. we love him. He's still in it, so that's a massive shout because yep. I thought he'd be knocked out the first week.
1: Shaking his little tush. <laughs> yeah. Um. They've got Gokwan.
0: Oh, big up Gokwan, of course. who yeah. The the poster boy for gay Asians in the UK. Yeah.
1: He's a don. He's been around forever and fashion, cooking. There's nothing he can't do. Yeah. He's at like baking now as well. Big up. And they've got uh, another chef as well called Jonathan Fang all right big up love him they've got a whole host of people on there
0: that's a great show of representation there from gay times there's
1: like a whole load of asian face (laughs) and i love it and i'm really i'm really chuffed that they've done that
0: yeah because you know it's it's crazy enough to see any asian face on any big national publication regardless of what the context is and so to have them represented, especially in a time where but we spoke on our show about Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community, yeah. that Asian members of that community were still finding prejudice within their own people, yeah. within the LGBTQ plus community themselves. Yeah. You know, so I think this is a great way to show some real solidarity amongst the entire community.
1: Yeah. It's also... It's just amazing to see how far the Asian communities have come.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. To be
1: able to be out and proud is one thing, but to be out and proud and uh, be a celebrity and make it onto the front cover of the Gay Times absolutely. is just awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, we just had to highlight that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, they st- are people still find a struggle, um to come to terms with this within especially within our own communities yeah so hopefully with big celebrities like Dr. Range and Gok Wan you know championing the cause within the UK it'll enable a few more people to feel a little bit less insecure about it
1: more comfortable with being who they are
0: yeah exactly because that's what it's all about yeah well that was the first half of this week's Halloween edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Um, yeah, join us on the other side <laughs> where us and our special guest, Ashish Gadvi, will be talking about horror and Halloween and how really some of the best horror films are quite Asian. See you on the other side. I might have to run
1: out of the room for this one though.
0: Oh dear. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And there's no Jojo B. Jojo B has decided not to participate in the second half of the show because we're going to be talking about horror. And that's something that she's very averse to and wants nothing to do with anything scary. And so she wouldn't even participate in the second half of her own podcast. But need not worry at all. Because I've got an ample substitute to take her place. And that person is... My brother. Actual blood brother. Ashish Gadvi.
2: Yes, in the age of Me Too, we decided to replace the only female on the show
0: with a man. Yes, um, and he is... Can I say an expert on horror films? You can say an expert Bec- on most things. Well, <laughs> that's subjective. There's, um, there was a time where you used to actually work for uh, the Cult Film Archive.
2: I did. I- I've had many a film job in my life. I work in the film industry now. Name dropping time. Uh, yeah, name dropping time. Just IMDb, my name. I can't go through all the films I've worked on. But uh, yes, a I- I- I'm a film buff, film lover, film industry professional,
0: everything to do with film... I'm all about that. Yeah. He's definitely negative when it comes to films. Um, but he. Does, I'm critical. He's very critical and he's very opinionated on films. This is the first time I guess we've had like a proper guest to talk and discuss things. And
2: I, and I must say, as the original podcast host of the family, that seeing you now hosting your own podcast, is a little bit like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader that like, you know, I've now seen The Apprentice become the master. Right. It's probably
0: more uh, Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, in that he's quite jealous of where I've got to in life when it comes to podcasting. And a terrible actor. <laughs> and, uh, and it's more the other way around.
2: Why um, did not kill them? <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. I hate them all.
0: Yeah, if we just okay. start
2: quoting movies, we'll be here all day. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, generally just how we have most of our
0: conversations, is we just quote films and TV shows that we've watched. But it's, it'll be in a room where no one else will have a clue what the fuck we're talking about. And so there's a there's a two-way conversation in a room full of about 20 people.
2: So we'll just be high-fiving each other over the quotes that we're <laughs> yeah, saying, and everybody yeah. else just be like, what are you talking people about? People are
0: probably already switching off this, like two minutes in at the second half of the show, i are probably switching off as we speak. I mean, I'm thinking about switching off this <laughs> yeah, microphone yeah. and walking away. <laughs> exactly. But we did actually have a podcast, as you mentioned. We did, yes. What we was it called? Together. Tell the
2: people in the world a little bit more about it. It was called The Ring Rats Podcast, mm. uh, the short-lived Ring Rats Podcast. Yeah. Uh, about one of our other main passions in life, professional wrestling. Yes. yes. Massive, massive pro wrestling fans that we are. We are uh, big buffs. And we had, yeah, we had a, a podcast about wrestling
0: called the Ring Rats Podcast. And, and you know what? This was at a time where there wasn't that many wrestling podcasts.
2: I don't know. I think even at that time, there was it was oversaturated. Okay. Wrestling po- the world
0: didn't need another wrestling another podcast. podcast. Yeah. Because I remember listening back to those shows. And we just sounded so, like, robotic. Mm. In a time where, like, AI is pretty much going to take over in the next 10 to 20 years, we pretty much, you know, foreseen that by being robots on our show.
2: Yeah, we didn't actually have a setup like this either with two (laughs) microphones. We had one microphone and had to pass it around to everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, editing skills were at play there, but yeah. yeah, this is
0: much better. Yeah, I love your like podcast voice, by the way. Thank you. This is very. This is the most like reserved uh, that we are normally. In yeah, a we're,
2: we're normally not this reserved at all. I listen to this podcast like all the time, religiously, religious, religiously. I'm like the only person who actually subscribes to it. Big up. And um, every time I hear it, I just think that why is why are you talking like this? <laughs> you don't
0: talk like this. Where is life. this voice coming from? Yeah, it's a facade. In actual fact, my IQ levels are about twenty-five, yeah. and uh, I have to like read the whole thing off my, right. uh, you know, my phone.
2: Yeah, and and JoJo B has the same voice that she has in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah. or as
0: I like to call her, JoJo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so we we quite now we can be as discriminatory as we want to the north. Yes, because the uh, the one northern colleague on this show is actually not here. No, so um,
2: we'll get on to going out of your comfort zone later on on this program yes we will but
0: let's get back to the matters at hand this is the halloween special we'll have to add all kinds of sound effects in and stuff sure why not um and so we are going to talk about horror and horror films because uh we pretty much grew up watching a lot of different horror films Probably illegally as well, I'd say. We
2: were we were heavily underage. Yeah. When we when watched, watched a lot of these films,
0: violent films. Yeah. And a lot of them were from like local video shops where no one really took note of your age. They you know, they just hand you over like an X rated film or an eighteen film and you were like eight and nine at the time.
2: And the guy running the video shop was usually like one of our uncles. Yeah, exactly. So like he didn't care what he was giving to us as long as we gave him like two pound for the rental or wherever it was. Yeah, how
0: much was it? It must have been like fifty p maybe to a pound. But
2: yeah, it was about it was about two pound when I uh,
0: finally Entered decided to stop uh, renting videos. <laughs> yeah. um, so we watched like our fair share of these films. I remember the very first horror film I think I can ever remember uh, was probably Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and I remember we watched it together. You were quite young at the time. That would be my first memory <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it wasn't the most pleasant experience. It's exposed to that level of violence and blood and gore at, at a young age. It's the kind of thing that child so- social services would be called in for now. Context is everything because we used to watch Mahabharat
2: in which people would get decapitated yep. and stuff like yep. that. You'd just be
0: like, oh, oh, how about that? He's eh? <laughs> like, look how people got down back yeah, in the day. Exactly. The minute Freddy Krueger was on our screens, though, yeah, But that. Yeah, exactly. So we started to get more and more into them. I don't know. I think it's just the. The shock value is one thing, but there's a little there's a sensation that you get from watching horror films.
2: It's definitely a fun sensation. I think that <laughs> horror we films sound...
0: <laughs> We sound like a couple of dicks. Yes. I love this. It's like so horror films. Yeah. Why don't you tell me more the about this? The thing is them, as well, so? we are real dicks when it comes to this subject
2: <laughs> yeah. as well because like we we're, we're not only like people who just like like watching a good horror film and stuff. If we like it, we'll like Try to research everything about yeah. it. Watch documentaries, listen to podcasts, uh, especially for like the horror films that we love. I think I don't think there's any piece of information that we don't know about all
0: of the horror films that we love. Yeah, we kind of go heavy geek into all of this stuff, and then you know find out more about the directors, find out other films that they've made. You know, and I've got a bit of a soft spot for the old kind of real grade B slasher films of mm. like the seventies and early eighties. Yeah. Um, Purely because of the the schlock value, of a lot of these films. Uh, they were very very low budgets, meaning that a lot of the times you got stars that made their names uh, initially from some of these films, and and they went on to become massive household names and stuff. Yeah,
2: even when I see Leonardo DiCaprio winning Oscars, he'll always be the kid from Critters Three. Me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I myself love collecting action figures. You sad shit. Yes, indeed. Action figures, Blu-rays, DVDs. Uh I, I have a whole collection of action figures and Michael Myers and mm. freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Eric Draven from The Crow. This
0: is not at all disturbing. No, no, I
2: had, I had quite I had a big display in my room of all of these figures. Mm-hmm. Uh had had a nice painting on the wall as well of uh horror movie. Uh, killers right uh, on the wall so yeah uh, i'm, I'm an we- upside well down
0: crucifix it. on the other side of the wall
2: yeah blood running Ouija off my forehead board. from stigmata
0: <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> exactly th- that that sort of thing <laughs> okay apologies people um but yeah so tell us some about the horror films that you kind of enjoyed watching
2: well as you mentioned uh earlier the uh first memory i have of horror was nightmare on elm street and I have a real soft spot for Freddy Krueger. Mm. I love me some Freddy Krueger.
0: Who doesn't of, love a bit of Freddy?
2: Yeah, all of his wisecracks and stuff like that. Obviously, he was very terrifying in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Installment. Yeah, but um, you know, I I I love slasher movies. Mm. Slasher is my favorite genre. They give me this warm, tickly, fuzzy sensation uh, watching them. Uh, in the groin. Yeah, in the groin. yeah, And uh, yeah, I, I love me some slasher films. I think that is by far my favorite genre of horror movies. I think yeah. yours as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, th- there's something about those original kind of 70s slasher films, because not only were they quite, quite groundbreaking in, in terms of the style and substance, But also the fact that they've been all been pretty much remade Mm. in the last like five to ten years show the kind of longevity that that kind of specific genre of film has to all audiences over the years. So people's parents watching them back then and now their kids are still getting frightened by basically the same characters. Mm. But you you mentioned one thing that has come to my mind is that
2: parents. mm. So our mother went to go watch the exorcist yes when she was really really young in africa more places when she was growing up down there and um that was something that kind of got passed down to us but the more i think about our our elder generations Mm. watching horror movies how relevant are horror movies to our peers
0: in the british asian diaspora hmm i don't really know of too many british asian horror films I guess the only one was that Gurinder Chadha. Chatterf- what can remember what it's called? Well,
2: that was horrific. I <laughs> wouldn't really call it a horror film. Yeah, uh, I think My Beautiful Afterlife is the one. That's you're, the one.
0: You're that's the one. Of. And it had Shabana in it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Terrible.
0: Yeah. Terrible. Why do you think that's that's a, a a genre within our communities that hasn't really been exploited? Because I'm sure all young Asian people are into horror, or uh, the same way as they watch like a insidious or a you know a sore film yeah or the purge or something like that you know why do we not see films within our communities um about horror
2: well that's a big question but i think you and jojo b have touched on it a few times that we just don't see enough different genres with asians in it anyway let yeah. alone horror movies yeah that's um, true representation is a big can of worms which we probably shouldn't open on this episode yeah but um the the thing is that even in india like there are horror movies in india but they're quite hard to find Mm -hmm. um some of them have kind of come on netflix here and there and stuff like that but most of them have one thing in common is that they're all really terrible. Yeah. I think I've watched quite a few Indian horror movies Big up. in my
0: time. You've got plenty of time in your hands. I so. do have lots of time. Um, and yeah, they're all, they're all just really shit. Yeah, it feels like horror has something that the Indian or the South Asian community haven't got quite right. Which is quite like the other end of the spectrum to going a little bit further east mm. into that side of Asia japan and and south korea specifically
2: yeah japan have made some of the greatest horror films you'll you'll ever likely see yeah uh yeah we did not inherit that i don't get it i don't get
0: it i think whether whether horror is like i don't know is looked at as big a genre i guess in india as opposed to the way bollywood has obviously kind of monopolized that entire industry and the style of films have monopolized that entire industry means that you're not really going to see too many films that go against that grain. Even if you make like an art film in India, it doesn't quite make the same level of, um, you know, return as like a massive Garanjora film would, basically. And so filmmakers are a little bit, I guess, reluctant to basically get into horror as a genre, because they don't see the same level of, um, Interests in the in I guess the wider context of India, as opposed to like the big cities where you probably still have a few. So I think
2: platform is a is a big thing because. Maybe in the cinemas, people would probably be less likely to go watch an Indian horror film. But mm. Netflix have just had a series come on called
0: Ghoul, oh, okay, which okay. is
2: a, an Indian uh Ghoul. series, Ghoul, Ghoul. with uh, Radhika Apte in it, who uh, okay. is in uh, every other Indian in Netflix, film. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. She's like so, the Indian Netflix queen, yeah, she's the uh, the Indian Netflix version of The Rock, <laughs> in that she's in everything. <laughs> uh so you know good on her getting the work so i mean maybe the as platforms will change genres will change a little bit and there'll be a little bit more but as far as british asians are concerned hardly anything
0: yeah i get no that does it does touch on the wider issue where there's again not a lot of like good quality british asian films and obviously with that the 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 pool becomes even smaller when you're trying to locate specific genres within that. Yeah, very true. Um, But like I said, you know, I've been saying for a long time in the show, we want more Asian storytellers, filmmakers, people working within the arts to get into films and whichever way they can outlay their, you know, their creative abilities. And horror is a genre that's really untapped. And it'd be nice to have a horror film that's not linked to forced marriages Mm -hmm. and like, you know, female infanticide and these kind of things because that's horrific enough. Mm
2: Yeah, maybe horror is just too much of a documentary genre for (laughs) us. for our communities, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they tend to just want to go singing in the hills rather than, uh, you know, mutilating
0: people. Singing in the hills that have eyes. Mm, Yes, (laughs) indeed.
2: (laughs) Having said that, though, there's still a great many horror movies out there which I watch Mm. and... I find to be really, really Asian. Okay. Okay. Indeed. Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, if this is a a little bit of a recommendation episode for your listeners for what to watch
0: with the rest of the family on Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, all get together, have some Bombay mix. Yes. Drink some lassi. Yeah. And watch these recommendations from Ashish Gadvi, film critic and filmmaker extraordinaire. Indeed. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, they, these, are, these are just a few films that I
2: kind of think are, you know, Asian-ish in <laughs> theme. Uh, right. You know, that don't actually feature any Asian characters. <laughs> That's sad. Uh, or anything to do with Asia, in fact, or any Asians at all. Right. Um, but films that I just find theme-wise mm-hmm. are really Asian. Okay. So the first one is uh, a Numero film. Numero uno.
0: Numero uno. On this list.
2: And uh, I'm going high Okay, this. you're up in the stakes right the from the offset straight away because I am going for film, a film which many consider to be the greatest horror film ever okay. made. Okay, that was a big word, son. Ever, ever made, ever, and has been voted so on many a poll as well. Oh, okay, it is from 1974. Big up! It is directed by the late great Tobe Hooper. Ooh, and it is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, so
0: you've done that wrong there. It's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure.
2: So <laughs> the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, and bear with me, is a film which is very Asian yeah. at its core. <laughs> okay. Right? You're going to have to sell this to one. To it is department. very, very Asian at its core. So it tells the story of uh, a group of uh, teens or, mm-hmm. or younglings who uh, are in a bus doing a journey across the country to visit... Uh, the grave of their ancestors. Okay. Because uh, there's been stories of grave robbing. Grave robbing. Grave robbing and vandali- even... vandalism going on around Fam. those parts. So they do uh, a road trip to go and check out the graves. Uh, and, you know,
0: it's more just a bit of a laugh for them. And then things <laughs> go horribly wrong. Yeah. There's no stereotypes when it comes to like horror films. But from that period, there was always the the key formula, which was young kids off somewhere where they really shouldn't be going, encountering something along the way, and then just getting picked off, basically, one by one. Yeah,
2: (laughs) pretty much. And that's what happens in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So... I don't want to give away any spoilers, but yes, it's full of those kinds of tropes that, you know, films like Scream that came years later on would say, oh, you know, don't, don't say things like, uh, you know, I'll be right back or like, uh, you know, cut it out, you know, stop, stop playing games. This isn't funny anymore. That type of thing (laughs) It's full of that
0: type of stuff. I'm still a virgin.
2: Yeah. That, that type of thing. But, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. I mean, it's, it's raw and it's grimy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can almost feel the, the sweat trickling off the screen, you know, in the, yeah. in the hot Texas sun. You can feel like the fear just coming right off the screen. Yeah, And I think the thing that sets this film apart from a lot of other horror movies of that of that age is that the monster is literally lurking right next to you yeah the in, in the in the in the fact that they go uh, to the countryside in texas and then come across what can only be described as the most dysfunctional family <laughs> this side of the punjab what are the chances sorry judge <laughs> so um yeah it's you know again i don't want to give away any spoilers please go watch it if you haven't seen it but a lot of you will be wondering what the hell does this film have to do with being an Asian? With up on air, exactly. Yeah. So, first of all, it starts off on a road trip. Mm-hmm. That greatest of Asian pastimes. Yes, I mean, indeed. My memory of childhood and stuff is literally just full of being in a car or a van, trekking across the country with 50 other family members inside the vehicle, yep. and going to do some sort of madness that somebody suggested uh, the day before. Pretty yeah, much.
0: exactly. And going to somewhere so... Like insanely insignificant, but yet, like, we have to put all measures at action to make this thing happen. Yes. So it's a it's setup for disaster, basically. Yeah.
2: And I mean, to to the point where Gurinda Jadar's first ever film, Baji on the Beach, mm. is basically just an extended road trip. <laughs> so you could almost say that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is Baji on the Beach with blood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know um and you know a few other things uh, that are in there as well that i find really really Asianish as well is that when we were talking about that the teenagers are like from the city they're kind of like you know really modern yeah and then they go to the countryside and then come across this family of of killers essentially yeah who are kind of like your stereotypical backward redneck type family. Yes. Now, this is like the big push and pull with this film is that it's the new kind of teenage city types against the old ways and the rednecks and that type of thing. Which, again, I find very Asian-y because, you know, we're like fish out of waters a lot of the time in society. And we're like kind of the other. So Mm. when you go outside of the M25, (laughs) you're suddenly in
0: the most terrifying places you will like ever see. Absolutely. You know, you're kind of like on the way somewhere. You need to fill up petrol. Mm -hmm. You stop off at the most like remote kind of petrol station ever. They've never really seen Asians before. You get all the stares, all the looks. I don't think your sort should be around here, mate. I think you should uh, carry on you know go to another petrol station yes yes you get a lot of that
2: thing and i you know every time we go to visit jojo b's family (laughs) in newcastle i mean from when we get from our house to their house i feel in a constant state of the texas chainsaw (laughs) massacre it's a
0: constant sense of fear yes that you're going to be driven off the road by you know a couple of uh... by
2: somebody trying to sell you head (laughs) cheese yeah
0: Yeah. there's a there there is a sense sense of that the whole kind of north south thing because if that that is, is as well. It feels like you know the city-wise people of the north going down to the the welfare line of the mm-hmm. south. Yeah, and yeah, and, and
2: Texas Chainsaw Massacre was made at a time when it was a very very political film. So yeah, it was made yeah. at a time when like you had like Richard Nixon in charge in mm-hmm. America and all of the Watergate stuff was going on with him. So it was actually meant to be quite a political film. Yeah. In the same way, you know, when you kind of uh, look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's the teenagers going over to the countryside and then encounter all these problems with the family, and you know, you kind of think, you know, these people are like living within the same country, yeah, yeah, and yeah. really not that far from each other, and yeah. yet there's such a huge difference between them that causes all of these problems Definitely. throughout the film. And in a weird way, it's a bit Brexit-y, I think. Ooh. I'm I'm going to go deep here, and I'm going to go a little bit political. But I find it a bit Brexit, where you kind of just, you know, after the referendum, you kind of just thought. What country am I even living in? Like, who are these people who have, like, voted to to leave the EU? And, you know, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre gives you that kind of, like, uncanny feeling that a lot of Asians had after the result came out of, yeah. like, holy crap, where the hell are we now? Yeah. I think Texas Chainsaw
0: Massacre taps into that an awful lot. So it's it's like a bunch of Remainers... Going off into the territory of the Go, leavers. Going to Sunderland, basically. <laughs> Sunderland, basically <yeah. laughs> Just entering in it. I like, think oh, there's a bunch of remainers walking in there, boys.
2: Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it is. And uh, also, you know, in talking about my heroes of horror movies, when I say heroes, I mean those who do the killing. Yeah, of course. Um, this film features one of the most iconic mm. of, uh, of those killers. Of it course. It features Leatherface, yep. who is a giant man. Who quite literally wears a leather face, <laughs> yeah. in the sense that he uh, takes the skin off his victims, turns it into a mask, and then wears that. Well, you know, they always say you should
0: eat the whole animal if you kill it. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, make do what you can from all the, you know, the materials you have around you. Yep. Speaking of eating, with the Texas
2: Chainsaw Massacre, the other thing that makes it very, very Asian is there's a dinner scene oh at my the end God. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> So um, within that dinner scene, you know, you have the whole family sat around uh, the dinner table. Again, not going to give away any spoilers. But, uh, you know, you have Leatherface who, you know, while being the child of the family also then becomes the mother, mother of the, fam- the family. Yeah, uh, I love the fact that he's got this apron on. Yeah, he puts the apron know. on, the mask has lipstick on it towards the end yep. as well. Pulled out
0: the finest china. That's right, that's right. So, you know, what more? how much more Asian can you get? And also, that's very Asian about that scene, there's a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. the guest as yes. well. You know, our households, to the point of force feeding. Like. Alek! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like. Have another roti, yeah. you know, have some more sabji on that plate. That's not enough chal on there. I think I should add another two, two or three spoons onto that. Yeah. Um. And you could feel quite claustrophobic. Yeah. Because you're like, why are these people like, you know, trying to stuff me with more and more food? That's quite. You know, there's similarities mm. with that with the uh, the young lady that's But on the also, table you
2: know, with with the young lady and talking about Asian culture courtesy yeah courtesy is a great thing in that
0: scene because she feeds the grandfather <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of uh, the young and the old generation coming together coming together quite know. literally yeah <laughs> exactly
2: yeah you know so uh yeah for those of you who've seen the film you know what we're talking <laughs> about and i'm telling you toe pooper had to have visited an indian family to make that scene hundred
0: percent I kind of look at Leatherface, his whole look. He's a big, you know, he's quite fat, mm. quite a tall guy, and stuff like that. He's the kind of person that say, like, if they've made it into an Indian film, that like Boman Irani would probably play that role. Yeah, a I good kind shout. of feel, you know, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I'd
2: say at the end scene with him dancing around with the chainsaw. Yes, I
0: reckon Govinda
2: could have could have done him for that scene.
0: Yeah, all he mm. needed was some rain and like a wet sari, yep. and pretty much that scene would, would be complete. Yes. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. I didn't realize how, much, how similar it was. Just how so, Asian to, uh, that film is. Yeah, uh, It could just be called the Tirupati Chainsaw Massacre.
2: You'd quite literally be in a holy hell. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so what other films have we got that could actually be linked to our Asian communities?
2: Okay, right. So, so this, this, uh, this is another film that I find very, very Asian. Um, how many times in your life have you been hit with crazy Asian superstition?
0: Oh my God, like just just the other day when we were doing our, our God Parai uh, was just full of superstition overload. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, so there's superstition. There's a lot of uh, superstition and urban legends, I would say, within mm-hmm. the Asian community. So it's yep. like, don't do this because once when somebody did that, then this happened to them, yeah. you know? So like, don't, don't step out of the house with your left foot first because once some, somewhere in Jamnaga, some <laughs> yeah. kid stepped out of the house with his left foot first and then got run over by a buffalo or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, there's, a, there's so many of those things, right? So I'm going for the mother of all urban legend films oh wow okay and it's not urban legend right? yes i was just want to say yeah. urban
0: legend surely has to be the most urban legend of urban legend films amazingly it's not okay
2: um this film is so close to my heart like you know we talk about how much we love horror films like i love this film yeah so much so when your mother tells you not to step out of the house left foot first she will also tell you never say candy man
0: yeah, five times oh yes
2: into a mirror
0: yeah. You shouldn't say the word Beetlejuice as well, three times.
2: It's not quite as scary <laughs> as Candyman. <laughs> but uh yes, Candyman is is a film I love so much. And that yep. tells the story of Helen, who is a professor mm-hmm. who goes to uh learns a little bit more about an urban legend known as Candyman. Now, one of the amazing things about Candyman is It's not a film in which there's like a monster in some faraway place or even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, going to the sticks and meeting all of these crazy rednecks. Um, Candyman is literally an urban horror. Mm. It takes place in the infamous Cabrini Green uh, estates. Or housing projects, as they say in America, in Chicago, yep. and it takes place uh, within the Black community yes. down there as well. So that that was another major thing for when the film came out at the time. Came out in 1992.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so, so right in the midst of the LA riots. Yeah, and stuff. this
2: came out a long time before like any of these woke horror movies, you know, <laughs> yeah. were made. So. That is one thing that, you know, I loved about it. And it's, it's never like a big thing of like, oh, you know, race was never like a huge issue in the film. But it's always something that's suggested in the background as the film is kind of going on. Yeah. So it's about this community kind of living within the constraints of their own urban legend. Yeah. Which, you know, if you think about kind of the darker times in the Asian community in the 70s and stuff, mm-hmm. it's something that I think we also felt a lot as well that you know we can't adapt into these surroundings that we're in and it's yeah, kind of like difficult all, to integrate yeah a real real difficulty to integrate and with candy man one of the in most interesting things about it is that helen who comes into uh the projects to try and learn more about candy man yeah is a white woman oh dear and so she comes into, you know, the the home of the uh, the immigrants, if you will, trying to learn more about their ways. Yeah, and it realizes that things also go horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: God forbid, white lady in danger. Yep,
2: yeah, we don't want that happening around these parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, Candyman. So. Candyman is the urban legend. The story about Candyman is that during slavery times, he was somebody who got uh, brutally murdered mm. and butchered. And if you say Candyman into a mirror five times, yep. and I've probably already said it about 20 now, thank God I'm not looking into a mirror, yeah. um, he will come and kill you and right. basically has a hook for a hand. Okay. Big so Candyman is one of those films, again, don't want to give away any spoilers, but it's one of those films where there is so much going on in the background. Like it's not your average slasher movie where it's like you know one killing after another killing, and it's like woo look you know that person got the yeah. like, you know thorax ripped out. Like it's not one of those types of films. It is heavy. Right. It's a heavy, heavy film. Heavy atmosphere. And it's just brilliant.
0: Yeah. And I quite like the fact that it's it's a film that's shot pretty much a lot at night as well. Mm. You know, so it it taps into the fear of the dark and and the dreary... And plus, plus, obviously, the fact that there's a lot of ethnics around, mm-hmm. which is something that obviously a lot of people in the States are quite scared of. Yeah. So it, it. Well, that's kind of what it's about. It's about
2: that kind of fear of these communities that have kind of been locked away and trapped away in their own problems. Like, even if you watch a, a documentary like Ava DuVernay's 13th, mm, where she oh, yeah. talks about how these areas kind of became ghettoized and how they were kind of specifically targeted by the government to kind of keep communities within their corner and not kind of let them seep out into middle america yeah the fear of that is basically what candy man is actually about right. and again when you look at the asian community in our history when you look at areas like southall and look at the history of how we kind of had to fight for these areas and that's yeah. almost what happened was that we kind of got these little ghetto pockets eyes of, yeah, yeah pockets yeah so Candyman is just like a real fascinating film when it comes to urban legends, when mm. it comes to race, when it comes to communities, and when it comes to the outsider trying to find out more about what's going on behind those closed doors.
0: Yeah, I guess right now there there is a, a fear of the, the Asian man, but Ooh. except he's probably got a rucksack and is uh, sitting on a tube. I mean, uh, if
2: Candyman was made like today, it would be Riz Ahmed playing yeah, that main Riz role. Riz
0: would probably play that role.
2: Um, and instead of, you know, the long trench coat and the hook, it would be a rucksack and a mobile phone. <laughs> a mobile phone, yeah, so, exactly. Yes, that, w- that would be what Candyman would be now. And it wouldn't even be Candyman, it would be like, Mithaino Manas. Mishtan <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mishtan Man. Yeah, mishtun, man. And instead of uh, the
0: bees, it would be a swarm of mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, I'd be, it'd be uh, fruit flies right now, surely. Yes. Oh, I hate them fruit And I thought because the summer's over, that that's the end of them. Their days have gone. They're still here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leave means leave fruit <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Okay, so we've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Tirupati Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, the Tirupati Chainsaw Massacre and, and got, Mithai No Manas. Yeah, Mistan Man. Yeah. A Mithai Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else have we got on this crazy list?
2: So... I'm going to pull it into the modern age now. Speaking oh, okay. of those
0: woke movies that we Absolutely. were talking about. Everyone but, that's like over 25 can now like put yourselves to bed. And there's under 25s, the millennials can wake up and see Wagwan.
2: Yes. And this is perhaps the most woke of all horror movies. Yeah. It's of, o- course, of all woke films. Of all woke films. Yeah. yeah you can't get a film more woke than this. It is, of course, from 2017, Jordan Peele's Get Out, mm-hmm. for which he uh, won the Oscar for yes. uh, best, best Screenplay. Uh, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Who'd have thought Jordan Peele, watching all those, like, Kian Peele sketches, Kian Peele sketches yeah. that he would be winning uh, an Oscar? So, yes, Get Out uh, tells the story of Chris, who mm-hmm. uh, goes on a journey with his girlfriend, uh, Rose to uh, visit their in-laws. How much more Asian do you possibly need this film to be?
0: No, it's so true. So, so true.
2: I mean, tell us about your Get Out experience.
0: (laughs) Well, obviously, uh, my initial visit to see my prospective in-laws happened almost five years ago. Yeah. I didn't know at the time these people were going to be my in-laws. It was just me going meeting my my girlfriend's parents because they'd been inquiring about me. Mm -hmm. Pretty much similar, I guess, to what's happening in Get Out. Yeah and got there terrifying they were quite welcoming though i suppose so did the guys in get out to be fair yeah i mean
2: seemed when you met jojo b's father for the first time did he say he would have voted for modi for a third term do you know what (laughs) surprisingly
0: he didn't (laughs) um you know he's got his own political allegiances and stuff i try to talk politics too much i just stuck to sport and food Mm. but i actually had had a pretty decent experience by the end of it unlike the situation with daniel character in get out.
2: Yes. So if we're reversing the roles, how much would a Punjabi have paid for you?
0: <laughs> paid for me. Um I don't think any money in the world would have sufficed uh because like that situation I was a Gujarati coming into a Punjabi's house. Mm-hmm. And so there were already kind of murmurs of another culture coming into my environment. Um and it's not like obviously with Daniel Kaluuya's character they were trying to work on the fact that he's the athletic build—he's a young, a lot going for him. Yeah, you definitely don't have that. No, absolutely not. No, no. I thought like if there was some kind of overweight slob, mm-hmm. then that's exactly what their family got blessed with. Yes, you know indeed. who got the better end of the bargain there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that when we walked away from uh, meeting their family for the first time, me and Mum high-fived each other and said, <laughs> "Suckers!"
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Winning.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, get out. It's it's another brilliant film. Just so so clever in its story. Uh, so so clever in its uh, in its approach towards race and towards horror and it actually showed us a really fresh take mm. on the horror film genre that so many other films had failed to do leading up to that yeah um and again it's just a brilliant brilliant film along with Candyman, texas chainsaw massacre i think if you are a brit asian wanting to watch uh, a scary film mm. over Halloween that you can relate to. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd say one of these three films is definitely one which will sit right with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think in the case of like, you know, all three of those films, they're all great, obviously horror films. But um, it's mad that, you know, you look at all the scenarios and we've obviously like kind of touched on them and how closely they're related to our communities. But it does open open that question. Why is there not enough films within our communities, people within our communities filmmakers uh making films like that because you look at a film like get out it's you know it's made a black director you know he's looked at the scenarios what's happening right now in the states here in the uk there's so many atrocities Mm. taking place like daily and there's such an untapped agenda right there
2: indeed Uh, one of the things that i often think that wow, you know, why has there never been a horror film made about this? Mm. Is that during Garbaz, yeah. um, you know, every year, one thing that I see a lot is during the Aarti period, yeah. ladies basically become possessed.
0: Yes, they do. Uh,
2: like legit possessions. yes. We have uh, a term for it, which we just say, "Oh, she's just got mataji."
0: Yeah. So basically, uh, mataji, uh, the female goddess, has entered her psyche. Yes. And has possessed her enough to go, you know, a little bit
2: loony. I guess is the word. Yeah. Um. I've I've seen various incarnations of it over the years. Usually, it'll be a lot of shouting. A lot of clapping. Uh, jumping around jumping around convulsions mm-hmm. sometimes and generally speaking when i see it happening it's just like oh come on man. make a make a bit of an effort at least. <laughs> yeah. you know because like i've noticed that you know people who get the the possessions are usually the ones who dare i say like a
0: bit of attention yeah absolutely unless i've gone through it myself i can never quite talk eloquently enough about the situation i've seen it so much over so many years mm. that it's just becoming second nature oh that person's having mataji and stuff so we just stay away and let them kind of go about their business but there is a definitely a sense of possession yes there um, and when
2: we're talking about possession
0: there is only a real one film of course that we can talk about with possessions and it's of course The Exorcist. The Exorcist indeed. Um now obviously so our possessions are basically more from the other end of the spectrum. Yes. You know
2: not so much uh, you know, vomit spitting projectile stuff (laughs) as you see in the Exorcist.
0: But more that, you know, our possessions are obviously from something much further north than the the hell ridden depths of the devil in Exorcist. Yes. So There is a slight difference, I guess, there.
2: Well, you know, and religion plays a huge part in our culture. Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, religion also plays, you know, a really controlling role, I would say. (laughs) In our culture. In our culture. (laughs) Yes. So uh, I think The Exorcist, again, is another film that, for the British Asian mind, Mm -hmm. if you watch it, you'd be like you know what? I get it. Yeah, you know, I, I understand that.
0: Yeah. I do understand that. You know, we're coming from quite a religious family anyway. Yeah. So we don't want to upset the apple cart too much. Yeah. But, you know, there is sometimes an overemphasis mm. on, you know, trying to instill some kind of belief in your life or to have a faith. Mm. Um, and so the pressures of that could uh, lead to you know some crazy things. Mm-hmm. People can sometimes get brainwashed. You know, people can get quite kind of like heavily into something too much, mm-hmm. and that could potentially a form of possession. Yeah, takes over your whole life, mm-hmm. much like um, young Linda Blair. Yes. Guess, in that film.
2: And I wonder sometimes with the Exorcist. Was the devil really that
0: bad? <laughs> you're gonna have to elaborate that one, son. Uh,
2: because you know, I've been in that position where you're like the unwanted person in the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah,
0: still the case today.
2: And then you know, our, our you know our other brother who uh, is very very religious mm-hmm. will start speaking religious verses to me and give me religious lectures, and then I want to just leave the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. you know, I watched the film like The Exorcist. And I'm like,
0: Beelzebub. I get you, Pam. Yeah, you're not that bad. No, no. And if it enables you to get a nice holiday in Iraq, like um, (laughs) in the start of that film and stuff, Amazing Climate. Different, Different context, obviously, today.
2: Actually, you know, out of all of these films, The Exorcist is the one that actually legitimately has a scene that takes place on the Asian continent. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it is arguably the most Asian of all of these films that we've uh, talked about today. 100%. But If if you had to pick one of these films out of the four that really sums up the British-Asian experience,
0: which one would it be? I I think, for me, they're all all quite standout Mm. um, films. They've all got their plus points. Mm. I'd still say The Tirupati Chainsaw Massacre, Because when you, when you combine the context of the road trip, mm. something like a barge on the Beach, yep. you mix it in with what's happening today mm-hmm. with the different communities and the cities and the, the villages and the towns, the referendum, the way people are thinking and their way of life at the moment. The whole country has been like brought together mm. in their differing viewpoints. A little bit like what happened with that film. You had two completely different ways of life brought together in one environment our way of life and our culture coming head on with right-wing Britain.
2: Yep, and uh, every time I'm driving around anyway, I feel a shudder go down my spine every time I come into Leatherhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's hard to look past The Texas Chainsaw Massacre as the most Asian of all of these films. Yeah, I think it's uh, made in Texas for Texans, but with an Asian spirit. Yes. So uh, that would be my pick out of all of these films for the most British Asian
0: horror movie ever made. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, filmmakers, if you're listening, are you a filmmaker yourself? Mm-hmm. Would you ever decide to dabble into the world of horror?
2: Absolutely, yes, I would. Okay. Absolutely, yes, I would. And I think that, uh, you know, British Asian culture is actually well made for, mm-hmm. for the horror genre. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of things you could actually adapt yeah. uh, in, into the horror genre. You know, one of the most horrific experiences I think any British Asian can ever go through is to get bad GCSE results. Oh, my God. And then, you know, just trying to figure out how you're going to tell your parents. Yes. I mean, would it be easier to explain bad GCSE results to your parents, or would it just be easier to explain that you've been possessed by the devil?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think there's, that's the only other real option. I take the devil any day, all day, every day. It yeah. wouldn't be a the rakshas. Hmm. The rakshas has possessed me.
2: Yeah, any devil. I don't mind which one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. We're not fussy. No, exactly. Yeah, equal opportunities possession is what I'm. And beggars the can't be of.
0: choosers either. Nope. You know. Nope. Um, but the other thing, I guess, would be you know that you've. Finally found the woman you love, the woman of your dreams, mm. and she happens to be white. And then bringing her home mm. to meet your family yeah, could be one of the most horrific uh, incidents ever.
2: I mean, what I would personally do in that situation is I'd open the front door to the house, hmm. invite her in throw her in the house, shut the door, get
0: in the car and then drive away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lock the door on the way out. Yeah. So no one can escape. Yeah. So then her and the
2: parents have to figure it out between themselves. Between themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's like yeah.
0: an it's like one of those things from Saw. Yeah. You know, try to find your way out of this so mm-hmm. this extremely awkward situation that may or may not kill you yes indeed Um, we have plenty of stories within our communities that could potentially be made into horror films yes loads not to mention
2: diabetes oh my god so that is probably the mother of all horror movies for british asians
0: it's the killer that keeps on killing yep indeed (laughs) right so so that's been a nice little uh, roundup of horror yes
2: indeed i've enjoyed my time on uh, the native
0: immigrants podcast you should come around more often i think i should host it from now on well we can see no i think i should you know what we'll put it out to our listeners so i've had this half of the show uh with my brother ash gadvi uh at ash gadvi on twitter yeah A- A-
2: A- ash gadvi on twitter and on instagram where you can look at some of my very artistic uh photos
0: yeah do you know those real like, weirdly pretentious kind of shots that people take to show their uh creative va
2: Including a black and white photo of Swami Barakas stood by the Southall water park.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so get in touch with him for any of your filmmaking needs.
2: Or just touch me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. like I said, <laughs> I don't even, I don't, there's, even there's literally no response to that. Um, but yeah, if you prefer Jojo B going forward as a co-host, then tweet us, at Nimmigrants.
2: Or if you'd prefer just a solo podcast with just myself speaking then at me <laughs> yeah at ash gadby yeah
0: and then i'll get rid of these two okay so things that are coming up so next week's show is gonna be another special the ash gadby <laughs>
2: special a two and a half hour long episode dedicated to the life
0: of yours truly right um or it could be a Diwali special, seeing as it's Diwali next week, you prick? Um,
2: I'm not really that into Diwali. <laughs> are you afraid? not? Nah, nah. Okay. I mean, Diwali never
0: did anything for me. <laughs> That's true. Mm. But it has done a lot for billions of people worldwide, uh, including uh, you know people within our extended community. And I feel it's something that we have to celebrate, seeing as that we are an Asian <laughs> podcast here in the UK. And so we, wouldn't
2: it be the more radical thing to do mm, to just completely ignore Diwali?
0: It could be, but um, it depends how anti-woke we really want to be, mm. you know, because if we're really woke, then we probably should touch on it, even if it's brief, seeing as it is the biggest festival for our community in the UK. Happy Diwali to all our <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so we will be talking about Diwali on next week's show and... Touching on what Diwali was like for us growing up in our household. Mm-hmm. We celebrate every year. Yes, we do. I was do. about to call yeah. you jo jo B, but
2: B. Uh, wow, that's a Freudian Ash- slip if there ever was one. Ashish
0: G. Ashish G. <laughs> You've given Ashish- away my real name. Ashish How could G. you? We, t- we said your real name at the start of the show. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Ashish underscore G. Ashish see, underscore G. See, all of my white friends who might be
2: listening to this, will be listening to this thinking, who the hell is Ashish? What do they call you then? Ash. See, you just conformed. This whole show is trying to get away from that. No, 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 no. Like, I I get you. I feel you, fam. (laughs) They cannot pronounce my name.
0: How difficult is it to say Ashish?
2: Don't ask me. Ask them.
0: (laughs) I don't understand Ashish. I mean, I can pronounce Dave and Derek. Yeah. So they should be able to pronounce Ashish. You know a name like, like sort of like Benedict. Mm -hmm. Like, to pronounce a name like Benedict or uh, Guinevere... Mm I don't know many Benedicts or Guinevere's. Oh, you've actually worked with Benedict Cumberbatch. I have. On the film, haven't yep. you? Yep. Name yeah. drop. I should do it for you, though. You what? I actually name dropped for you. Oh, yes, you did. See, I didn't even have I, to do I it. Had That's a what a real name dropper does. He lets other people do it for him. Yeah, my fear was you were going to come on here and just talk about your time working for Disney and Star Wars. And I'm legally things. not obliged to Are do Are you really not? That. No, wow. I don't think so. No. Can I say that then you worked on Disney films? You can say
2: I've worked on them.
0: Okay. I yeah, can I say yeah. you've worked on Star Wars uh
2: well you've said it now <laughs> yeah exactly so, um,
0: yes i have done yeah yes yeah, so that's very good that's mm-hmm. quite a resume it is yeah quite it's quite a resume. cv I yeah it's say resume that's yeah. all that's hollywood talk isn't it yes because that's what you're in right now and you're in the circles
2: yeah i'm i'm all about that you know <laughs> cocaine strippers <laughs> that sort of thing you know yeah when
0: the cat's away eh? yep definitely Hi, um so next week's show will be a diwali special we'll be focusing on diwali the festival of lights and what Diwali was like for us growing up. And I'll also touch on the fact that I played a character in a couple of Diwali plays mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Uh, did you ever do the Diwali play?
2: No, I don't think we ever did. We no? did a Christmas play, I got the role of Jesus. Oh my days.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is that cuz of your beard and long hair from back back, from in those back days? when I was 12. yes. Yeah. Big yeah, up. Correct. Yeah. It's just the Asian genetic. I it?
2: think that I, I came out in a poll in the class of the person that they most wanted to nail to a cross. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got the role.
0: Big up yourself. Yeah. Mm. Um so we will be talking Diwali on next week's show. Um one thing to mention, we spoke on last week's show about a couple of the events that we're going to go to in the Asia Howard's Boggy Foundation Literature Festival and this day this podcast is going out we'll be going to the Hungry Ghosts event at the Rich Mix, where we'll be hearing some scary tales from the Asian diaspora. Uh, and next week, November the 6th, is the Asia House Poetry Slam. That'll be at the Asia House itself. And so if you're a budding poet that wants to hear some amazing pieces from some awesome Asian poets, hop on down to Asia House next week, November the 6th. Our tickets are still available for that. So, and I think you'll be joining us, won't you, I Ash? think
2: I will be, yes, correct, yeah. yeah. I
0: love me a little bit of poetry.
2: Big up. I'm very cultured. You are. So, uh, yeah. And you
0: used to be a rapper, didn't you, back I in the did. day? yeah.
2: Not a rapper, the rapper. The rapper, yeah. Um, the once, benchmark by it's all. Once again, I was the first podcast host in the family, then you followed suit. Mm. I like to think of myself as the first rapper in the family, and then you followed suit.
0: Right. I'd probably look at myself then as the aliens of this alien trilogy. I took what you did... And made it much bigger, bolder, and better. That's very debatable. <laughs> I'd like so, to say, um, yeah, we'll save we'll save the aliens and those kind of films for another film show.
2: Yeah, for the next religious holiday about sci-fi. Sci-fi, <laughs> exactly. The
0: Scientology Day. When's that coming up? We I'm sure it's coming then. very, very soon. And obviously, that's that's a subject that we both talk about at great length. Yes, not. And then have people follow us home. Yeah, exactly. But our phones are being tapped as we speak. By Tom Cruise. By Tom Cruise, yeah. yeah. And Will Smith, apparently. Mm. Really? I think so. Oh, my God. I heard, I heard that. But I don't want to think it because like, Will Smith's just the greatest dude ever. Yeah. Tom Cruise is scary. <laughs> yeah. Do scary, you know, man. Did you know Tom Cruise, verified Tom Cruise, follows me on Twitter? Is that true? That is 100% false fact
2: have you ever dissed
0: scientology on twitter do you know that's probably why he follows you if i dissed him he'd have found found ways to hunt me down and kill me yeah but i haven't said anything about maybe i should and see if he unfollows me um you know but it's just nice to have like a a top guy a top man Mm. a top gun top gun yeah (laughs) to have a top gun follow me yeah uh, who's the most famous person that follows you
2: uh swami barakas i think would probably be the most famous person wow who follows me yeah wow. i've been to many a day at jan Mashmi where a 12 year old girl has asked for his <laughs> autograph
0: yes so uh yes that would that would be the most you're uh, in blessed company there's about another 500 people so there's not a big list of those people mm. that 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 gentleman follows Yep. um but do follow ash gadvi on twitter and on instagram and i'm sure he will be on a future show yes i'm sure i will be yes sure i will be well that is the end of this week's episode of the native immigrants halloween special hope you all have an amazing halloween um try not to trick-or-treat too much we never did trick-or-treating as kids
2: asians don't trick-or-treat
0: yeah nope now i'm seeing more and more of it we were never allowed out of the house to do trick-or-treating no No,
2: We were never allowed out of the house, period. Full
0: stop, actually, yeah. yeah. God forbid we're allowed out on on Halloween of all days. I mean,
2: if you're really going to equate our childhoods to any show, it would be the Truman Show. (laughs) That was like watching a documentary for us. Yeah, for us, absolutely. It was very painful.
0: But if you are going to trick-or-treat, do it uh, with uh, a parent or custodian, Mm -hmm. a custodian that you know as well. Preferably. Um, Preferably, yeah. And um, I hope you all have an amazing Halloween night and we'll catch you all again next week for the Native Immigrants Diwali special. So from Swami Barakas
2: and Ash Gadby,
0: we're signing off.
2: Peace! Be good to yourselves and each other.